there's not much that I'm great at, but I think the only thing I've ever, ever been able to do is surround myself with really good teams. And I think that's life. Like whether that's the, your family team, you know, you're, when you're a, a coach, I think it's having the teams. You think you can do it all on your, by yourself, but then you realize that you need people in admissions and, and advancement. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you form teams there and then you build your teams. But I think teams will help you overcome your weak spots. And we all have those. And I think the better teams you can form are going to lead to success. And and it's also that tribe mentality, that connection of being part of something bigger than yourself. And and so while while you're on a team, people are filling in your holes. You're also filling in the holes for others. And and I, I think that's what it gets special. So I would say developing teams in every extension of your life is what leads to success. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Dialing in through your speakers and broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. This is your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Another week and another exceptional conversation on deck for each of us. And we appreciate you listening in each week and being part of this community of lifelong learners. And we've got an exemplary coach who subscribes to that philosophy on the line with us this week. But first, with the reminders, find us wherever podcasts are free. Hit subscribe on there. Leave us a review and a rating. Plus, share this podcast with anyone you feel like would appreciate these conversations. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about. Also, please feel free to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ABCA1945. A lot of great info and videos on there. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly at CoachSheets3 on Twitter and Instagram or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. Love to see those tweets and those messages come through. A few shout-outs here. One going to my dude, James Grandy, over at Bluffton University in Ohio, diving into the podcast and earning his degree at Sump Pump University, getting some water off their field from this weekend. Still pulling for you, James. Also, Ryan Alexander at Grove City High School in Ohio. A lot of Ohio shout-outs so far. He was deep into Road Trip University with his team and listening into the show. We appreciate that, Ryan. And finally, Brian Weaver from the Burbs in Philly. Brian coaches over at Central Bucks West High School, and he dropped one of the best emails I've ever received. He wrote about waking up early with his newborn son, playing the podcast out loud in his living room, which helped his kid fall asleep. Not sure if that's good or bad, but earning his stripes at Baby University and turning his wife forever against the podcast. But I love it, Brian. Major thanks to you, James, Ryan, and all the other notes that came in. Coaches out there, send us your picks of you on your mowers, in the car, or wherever you find time to invest in your development. Shoot us a note, and you might hear your name over the airwaves. Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. We're honored to have a company like Rawlings, a true pioneer and staple inside of the baseball community. They reached out and wanted to support our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, attach their brand to this product, this platform, as we continue to work to reach every single baseball enthusiast, fan, parent, player, and coach with these episodes and these guests. From gloves to helmets to uniforms and apparel, these guys have so much to offer each of you. 
So check out their entire product line over on their website, Rawlings.com. That's R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And we hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. And with that, let's dive right into this week's show as we head back to the Buckeye State and sit down with Denison University head coach and proud ABCA member Mike Deegan. And wow, it is amazing how much humility and transparency comes through from Mike. His contagious spirit to learn and grow and get better each day. His passion for leading young men and preparing them for life. It's apparent and also a common theme for successful coaches and especially guests that come on our show. We unpack Mike's journey in baseball and the path he has taken to leading the turnaround happening at Denison. From setting the school record for wins last year to leading the Big Red to their first NCAA tournament to at the time of recording this intro, they sit currently at 17-2 this season and they are rolling downhill. It's the culture change inside this transformation that will capture your attention. Mike's spirit to chase personal growth and how our conversation keeps coming back to staying humble and impacting others around us. There's some Mudita in there for you if you're listening and a whole lot more. So here we go. Let's welcome in Mike Deegan, a loyal ABCA member and head coach of the Denison University Big Red, as he is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you, right? Now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We're heading back into the Division Three ranks to connect with a special coach, a special human being that's inside of this ABCA, this association. And I'm excited to welcome in, and we're going to talk through again what's going on there with his program, and then certainly he's got so much to offer, which we're going to open up in full. We're going to welcome in the head coach at Denison University in Ohio, Mike Deegan. Mike, thanks for jumping on the call with us. Coach Chiefs, appreciate you having me. I'm excited to have you, man. This is a long overdue. And I told you, man, you've been on my short list for a while, but timing was everything. I want to make sure that things worked out well and we couldn't be staring down a better opportunity here. You're 15 and two off to the best start in school history. Uh, just talk me through real quick. Just how's the season going so far for you? Good. I mean, I, I think you know we're in a we're in a good position right now. I, I think more than the record, I'm just pleased with the way we've we progressed and and uh, you know we don't. It's a little coaching cliche right out of the shoot here, coach. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know the the results just the result. But I yeah. think the way we're pitching, catching, you know, just going about our business has been impressive and. You know, we're excited. The, the season's fresh, and we're excited to get started in conference play this weekend. That's it. All right, man. Well, let's get into the nuts and bolts because there's so much more to uncover behind that and how you've gotten to that place inside of your seventh year. But let's talk about the ABCA, man. Getting you on the podcast is great because I know you are a proud member. You've been a loyal member for a lot of years, double digits. And just talk through the experience of breaking in, which I know Coach Shally played a, a large role in bringing you into the fold. Just open up that entire conversation about the convention, the association, and uh, really what's done for your coaching career. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned him. I mean, Coach Shally was, um, you know, a, a lifetime member with, mm -hmm. of the ABCA. And uh, my first year coaching back at Marietta, Coach, we were fortunate, was still alive and well. And and uh, I'll never forget, this is kind of a, a funny story, but he, he came in uh, right at that time to, to get the membership or renew your membership. And he was like a proud grandparent or parent to come in and say, Mike, you know, this is really important that you, that you sign up and you become a member. And, and he went on, it's like a gift. Like, it, you know, you get big gifts in life, but this was one of those gifts where he was giving you something where he was able to open up a whole different coaching world to you. You know, he was, he was giving you that access and he went on and on about how important that organization is. And when you get involved, 
one, the learning, but two, the, the ability to, to influence change and be a part of rules committees and regional committees. And, and I hope I'm describing it well, but you know that look in someone's eye when they're just so excited and so passionate. And that's what he was giving me that yeah. day. And, and, uh, it was a special moment. And, and coach was, uh, legendary for, with small school coaches around the area mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you just get to Marietta and we'll get you to the convention. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the organization and, and to keep growing with it. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's always exciting to have on guys who are so passionate about what's going on here and excited about the growth and getting you on this show and being able to really open up what you can offer this coaching community, especially to the listeners that are inside this podcast community. But we got to start here because I think building this, the landscape for where this conversation is going goes back to your career path and certainly spending a lot of years there at Marietta, finding success and now bringing that to Denison. Can you just walk us through your career path in the game? Yeah, sure. I was um, I, I played at Marietta for four years, played for coach. And um, after college, I went and I always say I worked a real job uh, more to Coca-Cola. And about a year into my time at Coke, I realized that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I started, um, I was working at Coke 50 plus hours a week. And then I would take classes at Duquesne University on Saturdays. And I did that for about a year, year and a half, uh, that process. And then Coach Shally retired and, and Coach Brewer got the head coaching job. And he called and said, hey, I want you to consider taking this position. And, uh, and I did. And uh, it's, it's kind of humbling to think about because I, I was nowhere near prepared or or um, deserving of that opportunity at that age to be a full-time assistant coach. Uh, but it worked out well. I was there for nine years uh, with Coach Brew, three national championships, including back-to-back in 11 and 12. And and then after 12, I, we moved on to Denison, where we've been, and now we're in our seventh season. Uh, but, you know, the goal of Denison is to try to be a, a national program at, a, at an elite academic institution. So, a lot of the things that, that I've learned along the way from Marietta and, and many others uh, we've tried to bring to this to this program here. I'm going to go a little off script here, and just because I know that inside of your playing career, you played in a couple national championship games, and falling short of that, and I've often heard coaches talk about this, even the late, great Augie Garrido talked about some of his most successful players that got done playing and moved on into life and, and really just captured life by the horns and, and had great successful careers in whatever they chose to do were not always the players that came from national championship teams. They were actually sometimes the ones that came up a game short. And because, again, the, the ability to turn that life lesson on its head and go, remember this feeling, now take it into everything else that you do. Do you feel like you encapsulated that, especially as you moved into the coaching career, and that was why you were able to uh, help, again, Coach Brew and, and, the, and the Marietta team jump over the hump? Yeah, you know, I, I think absolutely, and definitely in some ways. Now, I'll tell you what else it, the, the losing of a national championship game does it gives you a real empathy for, for your opponent. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. And this is carry. This is, this is common in, in a lot of coaches. I saw it with coach K recently, the Duke and, and, uh, you know, when they played Johnny Dodgers yes. team, yes. uh, you could feel it, but yeah. I, I know what that feeling's like. Uh, you know, you look across and you know, the hurt that the other, that your opponent is going through. Yeah. And I think that's what I took away. We played St. Thomas. And I'll never forget their head coach, uh, when, as a player, when we, when we lost, um, I'll never forget, they had lost a, either two or three prior national championship games. And he mentioned that, and I didn't understand it at the time, mm-hmm. but now I do. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's real. Like you're so excited for your team and you're proud of what, what, you know, you were able to accomplish, but you also know that, that someone across from you is, is struggling as well. But yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's once again, I mean, win or lose that game, I, I think you, it's, it's the journey. And that's not, and that's mm-hmm. not coach speech. You know, you, you just really bond with that group. Um, so I think it's just special to, to play and bond together, but it, it, it does maybe give you a little chip on your shoulder to, mm-hmm. to come back harder. But uh, I think the biggest lesson I took is that, yeah, you know, you win, you know, you, you go shake their hand and then, you know, you go celebrate maybe behind closed doors. But, um, that, that was a big part of my development for sure. Boy, that's so good. Okay. Let's go into the transition. Cause I think there's a lot of meat on this bone. Uh, when you move from assistant coach to head coach, now every assistant coach that's out there listening is going, Hey, I hear you, but just give me the opportunity. And it's like, yeah, I'm with you. And you and I both been there and, and it is something different, uh, when you do get to crossover. And again, we've talked often on this show about the 90, 10 rule, which may or may not have been something you were affected with when it was 90% baseball and 10% admin, then it completely flips, but just yes. op- open up your transition and what changed for you. And then how did you specifically go about handling that transition piece? Well, I still feel like I'm transitioning. It's crazy. You know, when I say yeah. when I'm in my seventh year, I still feel like a new head coach. I, I really do. But, wow. um, for me as an assistant, um, I was, the, I was, for lack of a better term, I was the good cop, you know, coach brew was the, was sure. the, was the guy that he made, he's, you're the decision maker. So mm-hmm. whether you're a good cop, you're making decisions and, uh, you know, affecting playing time and everything else. So, my job was just to pick guys up and, and, and I was good at that. That was, that fits my personality really well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you slide over and and that changes a little bit. And, um, and I I think as an assistant, I I don't mean to, you, you have more time, like you said, the 90, 10 rule, you have more time to focus on your craft. And, you know, one thing I I did as an assistant, I, I really leveraged uh, the, the resources of the university. So I was at Marietta. I, I had a, there was a communication, the head of communications was Mabry O'Donnell. And I remember I wanted to get better speaking and, and writing. Uh, cause I knew that was a big part of being a leader is mm-hmm. that ability to communicate your vision. So I, I reached out to her and said, Hey, you know, I, 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 I can you help? And she's like, yes, yeah, meet, meet me here. I'll show you some books. And so we did that. And then she said, Hey, um, she, I want to take you on as, as a project. So for four or five different sessions, I would go and I would write a speech and I would perform a speech in front of her and, and, and just work on those skills. But wow. the ability as an assistant, as a head coach, you still have the ability to grow, but it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Um, and then one, one more quick thing. And we just did a, we did a personality assessment, mm-hmm. uh, recently and, and there was four different quadrants and, and I came out one as being a driver. That's my most, um, my most telling characteristic is I'm a driver. So that's, that's common of, of head coaches. You want to, sure. you know, you want to push and lead, but my secondary characteristic is, is being amiable. And, and, and the, the person leading the, the group said that is about the worst combination you can have. <laughs> he said, you, you probably don't sleep a lot. And I said, I don't sleep a lot at all. <laughs> and because when you're, you, you know, amiable, you want to, you want to please, you want, you know, yeah. you, you, you know, it's, it's that process. Yeah. So, um, that has been a struggle for me as a head coach. You know, you, you want to drive, you want to get results. You want to, you want to do the best thing for your program, but you also, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you want people to like you. So, um, you know, I, I dance with that every day. That's a dance that I continue to dance with and try to improve upon. Not, and I don't know, I think some of that's in my DNA, to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, but you're just trying to, to manage it and, and do the best job you possibly can. But it's a transition. I think if, if I have one you know, piece of advice to assistance is don't wish that time away. Just try yeah. to learn and grow, and you'll get your shot if, if, it's, if it's, uh, the timing's right. And when that timing's right, be ready to go, but don't wish it away. What exactly was the, the particular name? Give them a shout out of that personality test that you took. I should know it. I don't know the name off the top okay. of my head. Um, 
it was uh, you're, you're catching me off guard there. I, I missed right. that. But, um, it was great. There was four different quadrants. It was probably the, one of the most eye popping things that I've done because I went, oh my goodness, that's me. That's why. That's why I'm up at three in the morning, <laughs> agonizing over, over this and that. So uh, yeah. You know, so, another good one that's out there, and actually we were before we hit record, uh, Joe Ferraro reference that he pushed me to is the Gallup Strength Finder. And yes. man, I, I laid that out and there were some things that you think you know about yourself, but you could really never characterize. And, and I took that and it laid out the top five and it, it just could not be more dead on. If you, if you answer them openly and honestly, it really lays out, you know, where you stand and, and defines your personality for you. If, if you couldn't find it before. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some power in that, man. This was called, I just found it here on my desk. It's called, it was called social style team composite. That's, that was the name of it. It was, it was, I can't remember the company, but yeah, it it does. And and you get, first you sometimes get defensive. You're like, no, that's not, eh, maybe it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, It hits you. But the beauty behind it. And I think why I wanted to bring that back up is it, 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 for coaches that are listening to this, man, that is a a great way to find some self-awareness and it's a great way to make yourself a little vulnerable to find some things maybe out about yourself that you, again, didn't quite have a term for or couldn't quite define, and you just step outside of it, put it in someone else's hands, answer, answer the questions openly and honestly, and let the chips fall where they fall. But it gives you a little bit of clarity. Honestly, I mean, and maybe you found this, Mike, I found peace. Like I, Once I could characterize what these things were inside that I was fighting with, I went, okay, man, that makes all the sense in the world. Did you find any peace with that? Absolutely. I think that's, that's a big part of this. You, you're like, okay, I'm okay with that. That, that mm-hmm. is, that is, that is me. And, and, uh, you know, I have a hole in my swing in this part there of my is. game. Right. And, and, and now I can work on it or I can try to surround myself with people who can help me improve, you know? So yeah, there's just, there's, there's a big power in just being aware. Right. And then yes. from there you're okay. You know, you can just work on and get better, but if you don't know, you don't know. That's right. So I'm hearing that you still struggle as in the transition, you still struggling with being the good cop at times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's like, my pride says that I, I don't want to say that, you know, my pride sitting here going, Oh, you're okay with it. But no, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I do. I, I, I want every person in our program to have a really good experience, but I also know that's just not possible. Yeah. You know, that's just not possible. So you just try to do your best. Right. And that's it. let the chips fall. That's it. Well, I want to go into the culture side of things. I know that's a that's a strong point for you, especially in in what you do and who you are, but what you've brought there specifically to Denison and the Big Red. And so I want you to lay out for us, what are your standards? What are those expectations? What are, what are those conversations inside of team meetings like in terms of how you've been able to lay out this platform, this, this uh, plateau that you've built this program on and tried to move it forward? Lay that out for us. So I, th- I think it's just good to start that, you know, we took over a program that was struggling in, in the recent history. There was good mm-hmm. history in the, in the past, but the, the program had been struggling. And I think when we first came in, just by breathing some new energy into the place and and uh, just, a, just a different outlook, I think we were able to get some results. Yeah. But I think it was our third season in. We had a, we had a pretty t- good team coming back, and we struggled across the board. Win-loss, um, you know, socially, academically, across we, – we were not good. Mm. And that's when I had to, to, to man in the mirror a little bit and, and look and say, okay, what, what's going on? Yeah. And I don't know how these four pillars came to fruition. I, I really don't. I can't give the exact reason uh, of how we got there. But here's our four pillars. Okay. Uh, the first is, is the idea of grit. And, and, you know, we define grit as, as 
physical and mental toughness and the ability to persevere and overcome obstacles. And I think that when you're talking about grit, I think everyone wants to hang on the physical toughness. And we do have a picture of the iconic picture of Nolan Ryan where he gets hit in the face with the ball and he's yeah. bleeding. And that's in our locker room. And that's and there is. There's a physical component to it. But there's also the mental component. And I think that starts with the coaching staff modeling that that physical that mental toughness as well, meaning is mentally tough to be prepared right. for every practice, for every game. That's and, and it starts with us, but then it, then we hope that bleeds to our players. Um, the second piece off of grit would be that our second pillar is gratitude. And we define gratitude as a readiness to show appreciation. And the opposite of gratitude is, is what we would define as entitlement. And um, and I, I this isn't, you know, the the, the, the the go in on today's generation because adult, adult entitlement is, is – <laughs> As prevalent, if not sure. more than, than, than youth, than youth entitlement. Yeah. But my thing is, is this, if, if you expect things to be given to you and if you don't have that lens of gratitude, can you ever really be happy? Mm. You know, like a, a couple years ago, I was really, you know, I, I heard there was, you know, people sometimes would complain about a hotel room we stay at. And I'm like, my good, like, stop. Like we're going to play baseball on the road. Like it's not about that, you know? So if we have that lens of, of, of gratitude, it, it, it knocks entitlement out of the way, which allows for happiness. And that's what I'm shooting yeah. for there is just happiness. And then the last two pillars are, are very, you know, there, there are babies. Um, we have a phrase called Kaizen, which is, you know, a, it starts as a Japanese business phrase, which means continuous and never ending improvement. Mm-hmm. And, and if I had to say what my personal life philosophy is, is that it's continuous improvement. So uh, regardless of our record or, or whatever. We're just trying to, to improve. And, and I, that's near and dear to my heart, just trying to be better every day and, and just trying to improve our processes, our systems, the way we go about our business. Um, so that's Kaizen. And the last is a phrase that, that you're familiar with, I know, is, is the Mudita. Sure. And um, Mudita is vicarious joys, being happy for other success. And a quick story on the Mudita, uh, how it came to my world. Um, it was at the ABCA convention. Hmm. And I had a uh, I had, you know, I started, I had started writing a, a little blog or newsletter, however you want to call it. And, and Pat Murphy, uh, the great coach at Alabama yes. softball, uh, got a hold of the blog and he said, and he wrote, wrote, him, wrote me a note and said, Hey, I really appreciate what you're writing. I'd love to meet up with you at the convention. And, and I did right before one of the, what, right before one of the speakers, we connected for five or 10 minutes. And my last question to him and to a lot of people, a lot of times I say, Hey, what's one thing you're doing inside of your program that we have to implement right now? Like what, mm. what is it? And, uh, he goes, have you read the book, help the helper? And yeah. I said, no, I haven't. And he said, he said, there's a phrase in there called Mudita and he explained it. And he said, that's, that's our program. And, and so something, sometimes people hear Mudita, they think it's esoteric. They think it's, you know, it, it whatever, but I'm telling you when you have that within your program and, and, and it's a fight, I mean, it's a daily fight for oh, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very uncommon thing to ask mm-hmm. uh but like our 2016 team here at denison it was it was alive and well like i've never seen before and like i we mentioned earlier you know we have national championships under my belt but that 16 team was so special to me because you could feel it when that mm-hmm. season ended um you know everyone cries at the end of seasons that, that's very common uh but you could just there was a pulse in the air that everyone could feel that we didn't want that season to end and and uh it was all mudita so mm-hmm. We work really hard to, to try to create those those four pillars, uh, but it's they're, they're they're that's where you know you mentioned the ninety ten that's where my that's where my focus has went over these last six or seven years is on that culture leadership and teamwork development. 
Man, it's fantastic. Yeah, there was a couple text groups that I'm very fortunate to be involved with. A couple of them, obviously, Coach Madison, he sends one out each day that's got scripture verse. Uh, Clint Hurdle's got one, which I think you might be a part of as well. Yes, sir. Uh, yep. that, he, that he puts great stuff out and words of encouragement. And then I'm also in this group between you and Pat Murphy that when there's right. little Udita moments, man, they end up showing up in this group. And so it's always something, always brings a, a smile to my face. And I wish, you know, and I hope for more coaches. And it's awesome to hear you talk about that and hope more coaches buy into that. And generally when it does come up on a podcast, Mike, it's it's one of those win-win moments that about a couple of days later, after a few guys listen to it, it's like, hey, what's that word again? Yeah. Hey, where do I find more about? It's all that stuff that that really filters down. Because I think to your point, when you capture it, and just like Murph would say, can't find the ceiling for where your team can go. It's unimaginable of where your team can go. But think about what you're capturing. You're capturing the inherent spirit of servant leadership and of of losing their ego and becoming selfless. And I think that's what we're all interested in, right? Oh man, that that's that's what it is. You know, that's what that's what you're shooting for. I mean, those, you know, we throw around the phrase life lessons, but you know, if you can have that that Mudita spirit in your life, which we all struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. Especially this time of year as coaches. I mean, sure. it's really it's really tough to be happy for your opponent when they beat you and that, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. But if you can get closer to that, that is a that is a special special thing. And, and you know, and when you when you talk about you know the culture piece, just to shift gears for one second, sure. I. I, I, some people say, hey, you know, culture is good when you're winning and when you're losing, culture is bad. And I, I, I disagree. I, I think mm-hmm. I think that's that's we're dismissing it too, too, too easily. I, I think there has to be a process with culture. And, and, and for us, you know, it starts with the selection process during recruiting. Yeah. We start the messaging right there. You know, then there's an orientation part where you're where you're orange orienting what, you know, the, your philosophies, then you're coaching it. And then you're, you know, you're recognizing and rewarding those things. So there's, you know, there's, there's a part to that. You can't just have words or phrases or slogans. It's not that, yeah. but if you invest in that culture, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's meaningless. I, I really don't. I, I think mm-hmm. you, if you're intentional about that growth, you can get closer. You know, I'm not saying those four pillars that we live that every day. I'm not saying that because we, we fight all those, but it's a big part of who we are, and, and, and that's, that's in our DNA, and we're not going to change those four things. I love that. You know, and also I'll add this, man, and I think this might be, and maybe you resonate with this, uh, when you're talking about building culture, and that's a great way of saying it, I think too many folks want to say at, at the bottom of the barrel, man, your culture must be bad. If we can boil it down to a couple things that probably matter the most inside of building it, it's people and process. And I didn't, I didn't come up with that. That's that's straight from the the profit guy on TV, the, mm-hmm. the, the TV show. But it is, man. When you really break it down and try to get things as simple as you can, it's people and process. And so, obviously, as a college coach, you are in charge. You are in the the selection process, as you mentioned, of getting the right people. So it starts with the recruiting visit. They walk in. They have an expectation of what's going to happen here. But I think too often. So again, we can start with Jimmy's and Joe's. But I think too often, I'm going to see what you think about this. I think coaches, in terms of laying out those standards, and they think that if they print up a couple T-shirts or they make a couple signs inside their locker room or they they bring them up at the first team meeting, that all those things just happen. And it's like you've really got to fine-tooth comb the process as to which you will exhibit those on a daily basis, you will reinforce those on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, and that you'll find ways throughout practice, throughout the season, throughout any activities to really revert things back to those pillars if you want them to stick. Would you agree with that? No doubt. And and I think you hit on it briefly or two, but it's it's modeling it. It's, yes. it's, it's modeling those behaviors. So I think when you're when you're if you're a head coach or you're someone who's aspiring to be a head coach and you 
you're thinking about your culture and what you want it to look like, those characteristics better be really important to you and near and dear to you. Because if you're not modeling it, um, you don't have a shot, That's you know? It. And, and like I said, I, 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 the last thing I want coaches for you to think that I'm, I'm, I'm this every day. Like there, I have moments where I'm not grateful and, and there's moments where I don't get better on a certain day, sure. but I, I, I do think that it has to start at, at the top from the coach down to the assistant coaches and, because you know, kids know they know. They'll, and they'll yeah. and they'll nod their head and they'll agree with you because you're because you have a positional power. But over the long haul, there's no way you can sustain a culture if you're not modeling those those behaviors. You know, mm-hmm. so absolutely, I think it's I think what you said is spot on. But the modeling piece a, as well is is something that we we can get away from at times, especially yeah. as we get older in the profession, right? Especially yeah. you know we we know we we know our, our hitting philosophies, we know our pitching philosophies. But if, if I'm not trying to get better, then I can't really expect my guys to, to try to get better either. All right. So there's a couple of things that jump off and, and uh, getting prepared for this interview and trying to make sure that as much as I knew about you, I still wanted to dive in a, a little bit deeper. And so I played around the website and I got into a couple articles and I got into a couple quotes and I got into all that stuff. And I found a couple of previews that your phenomenal sports network there at Denison has put together. Uh, great videos, all, all that stuff was just plus plus, but there's one from 2018. Now at this point, uh, before last year, you guys had never made an NCAA berth and you were kind of coming off a couple 25 win seasons. You're really building it the right way, but still crossing over and kind of getting over that hump as a program hadn't happened yet. Now, what I love about this, this thing is published, you know, the end of February. So it's right before the season's getting ready to kick off for you. It's probably filmed the first of February, edited up the whole thing. And at this point, a couple things jump off. One is, and a little off the beaten path here, but Sam Frazen was a senior for you last year, right? Mm-hmm, correct. Okay, we got to get to him. And Sam, if you're listening, you seem like a hairy dude. We got to clean up that taco meat that's coming out of the top of your shirt. <laughs> and I say that out of, out of because I'm, I'm there with you. Like I have to, I, you got to shave a little bit deeper, huh? So I'm just telling you, it's just where we are. Can you pass that along for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. And Sammy will listen. And Sammy will, will get a major kick out of that. He was... He was, uh, he was texting me last night, you know, busting me up on some things. So <laughs> I, I don't have to say a word on, on a comeback right now. I could just say, Hey, Hey, tune in. I'll give him the minute mark and, and, uh, he can, he can hear that, uh, but he'll, he will love that. That's, that's a, that's an A plus guy with A plus hair. That's I, right. For sure. I love it. Well, he's inside of this little, uh, I don't know if it's a select fraternity, but of, of hairy men around the world. He's, he's at least vice president. Um, now Tanner Johnson, also a senior. What I love about the stuff that he drops in that mic is he calls the shot. I mean, he literally calls the shot. And we're talking again, February before the season. But more than that, think about the buildup that's happened during his four years of buying in, being part of the process, seeing things move in the right direction. His senior year, hey, man, we're going to break through. We're going to get through and get that that championship. We're going to move into an NCAA regional for the first time in school history. We're going to make this happen. And certainly, again, just like he could look at as Nostradamus would through his ball, he looks back and, and man, you set the school record for wins. You go to the NCAA tournament for the first time. How special was that to know that on the front that senior class was had a clear vision, probably set forth by you, but the buy-in was there that led to a record-breaking season last year. Yeah, they they were a, that was a special special group, and they saw some of the lows and and um, they were able to, to to experience a high, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I you, know, you you get those proud moments, and and I think there were a few of them throughout the year last year. Um, whereas it, it's you can sense, you can feel that your culture is alive. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use that as a buzz term, but yeah. like the, the way those those guys speak, whether it was there or 
in a postseason uh, press conference or at a first pitch banquet that we do, uh, our message is, is aligned. And I think that was a moment where I thought, okay, we're getting we're getting closer. We're getting closer to to being a just you know, like I said, regardless of wins and losses. I mean, those are those are really a byproduct of a lot of things, and yeah. it's a very short season, and there's a lot of things that can go here or there. But I think just hearing the way our guys speak, present, and carry themselves, I think was a moment where I thought, okay, we're we're getting a lot closer to where we want to be. That's outstanding. Well, the only note I had from the 2019 one is because we still got to let this season play out. Is Mikey Rivera's got a plus plus beard, um, and so just pass that along to him as well, man. He is, and I'm all about the hair right now at this point, just because I don't have any. Um, but I'm just noticing these things uh, throughout your video coverage. M- Mikey inspired me to try to grow a beard, but I can't get anywhere near. It. So it's it's uh, <laughs> not compared my, to him. My, yeah, my, I look I look just scruffy. He, he looks he looks like a million bucks. So. Love it, no doubt. But it's so cool, man. It really is. Your, your kids they speak well. They see the bigger picture. I mean, it's awesome to, to listen to players talk about getting the offense going and the pitching staff and the roles that everyone's playing and certainly the the underbelly of the culture that's rising up through the way that they speak. That's when you know things are starting to get settled when the players can kind of move and take on the leadership role of the culture and move it forward. And so there's a couple of terms here I want to get into with you because I want to let you just expand on teams versus programs. So building a great team versus building a great program and then recognizing the difference between talent versus culture. You want to go with that? Yeah, yeah. As far as you know, the the team and program, I I think that's something we've really tried to build. I, I think we're you know it, it's it's a cultural thing right now or a society thing where we really focus on the on the year, the moment, the short term, and so you know we'll get it all the time in the recruiting process. Someone mm-hmm. will say, well, you know, what's my chance of playing right away? And I say, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no clue. That's just not a fair question, you know, because but they're focusing on a team like that that moment in time where they're there. Um, what we try to push is that when, when you're part of a program, um, a program never ends like a team when that, when that year up Mm -hmm. you expire, but a program, it just keeps growing. And I think, uh, you know, the, another proud moment for me was when we got the NCAA birth last year was the amount of text and calls I got from people who were from previous teams and they used the word we, and that was so special to me, you know, coach, we did it. We're in. And, and they were no longer on that particular team, but our program made it. And, and I, I think that was, that was, once again, us trying to grow a program yeah. and not be so focused on the, on the short-term you know, piece of the puzzle. Um, so that, that's that. And then as far as you know, the, the, the culture versus talent, uh, you know, when, when, when we mentioned this in the selection process, but as coaches, you know, it's, really, it's easier for us to go evaluate a player with our radar gun or stopwatch or whatever you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the size, the body, and you know, to bring that person on campus and say, hey, we got the right person. Um, but I think we really miss sometimes on trying to find the right fit for our programs. Um, you know, you've done this, I've done this, uh, the, 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 it's such a fine line between the the talent of the players. I mean, every now and let's not, and let's not kid ourselves. You need, you need really good talent to, to, to win at a high level. That's that, that's, that's definitely there. But at times we can sacrifice the culture for, for a, a talent, that can do a lot of damage in the long term. So I think you're always wrestling with that um, of, of, yes, we, we do need, you know, really good players, but we also need people who fit into our, our system and, and fit into that, to what we're trying to create, because mm-hmm. a couple of bad apples can really, can really hurt your culture. And my last thing, I mean, I'm sorry to be long winded, but I think oh, as your culture gets better and better, then you can take some chances on uh, some people who, who may not 
uh, you know, have some, maybe have a questionable background or whatever, because the culture can lift them up. Yeah. But when you're building a culture, those people can really sink. They, they can drive that culture down in a hurry too. So right. I, I just think we have to be very intentional with who we allow into our programs. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I was rolling through a couple of examples and in, in where, uh, especially as a coach, man, I, I, you chase the talent. I completely chase the talent and never once truly factored in or tried to ignore the glaring red flags of personality, of uh, comments that were made. You know, when you start playing the blame game a little bit and they start oh, yeah. pointing the fingers and you're like, yeah, 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 but 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 we, we can fix that. We can move forward. You, you still have some of those that maybe you, you're teaching your young assistant coaches like, hey, man, th- these things will happen. You will start to blind yourself to some of this because the talent really tries to oversee that. A- absolutely. It, it, it's 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 so natural. Yeah. Right? It's so natural to fall in love with that. And it's so natural to think that you can fix it. Yes. You know, but but there but there are just certain things that are almost terminal, in my opinion. Like, yeah. you know, if someone's very you know, they, they never take blame and they blame their, their, their high school coach mm-hmm. and they blame their teammates or like, that's, that's a, that's a problem that that's, that's ingrained. I, yeah. And like I said, I'm not, that's not to dis- dismiss them as a person or a, I'm not saying that, but I, I just think that you're, you're setting yourself up there for, yeah. for, for, for something like that. Yeah. That coach is going to be you next year, more than likely who, who has all those flaws. So I just think, yeah, we have to, you have to look, and uh, you know I love the the Bill Belichick line. We, if you look at sports, and I don't know why we do this, we're, we're just blinded to it. We, you know, you look at all the free agents. Free agents make all the news on Sports Center, yeah. But but quietly, the New England Patriots, who have been to whatever eight straight AFC Championship games, they're never in the news like that. They yeah. just they they have a system. Then in Belichick's quote of "We're not trying to to uh, assemble talent, we're trying to create a team." I think that's that's magnificent and. As coaches, we tend to just keep going back to that talent yeah. when the when the proof's out there that that you know that the culture is really important for high stakes winning. Wow. Okay. We're going to go into again a cultural element, but more into really a hot button topic, and certainly one's going to hit close to home for you. Um, you're talking about inside of this culture, inside of your program, and inside of your baseball family. You guys took a, a serious blow this fall and yet a a young player take his own life. And so mental health is certainly a a dynamic, a conversation that seems to be happening a lot more inside of coaching circles and inside of, of athletes and coaches being more aware. Can you just open up that entire dynamic and more importantly, how, how has the family moved forward and how have you and your team and your, and obviously your program moved forward? You know, it's been tough. And, and, you know, uh, Sean Bonner was, was our player's name who, who, um, you know, unfortunately passed away this, this fall and, um, you know, it, it's, it was tough and Sean was on a, a lot of radars, his parents' radar, our radar, our, our counseling services. And, and, you know, we knew Sean was struggling. Um, and, you know, the mental health component is real. Sean was, you know, it's a, a great looking young man. He was, he was, uh, you know, a, a very, very vibrant. I mean, great social skills. Like you just, you know, I think with mental health, it doesn't, it, they, they don't, people don't come up with a sign on their forehead yeah. saying they're struggling. And, yeah. and um, and, you know, and as far as moving on, I mean, the, the families, you know, the, the Bonner family has just been uh, amazing. They're, they're trying to find a way to make this, um, I hate to even say, but f- trying to find a way to make this a positive and to some extent and mm-hmm. by bringing some awareness. And they're actually on campus this weekend. Um, we're going to do a memorial and, and do a walk of remembrance for Sean. And, um, you know, as far as our team goes, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever be the same. I don't know if we'll ever be the same as a coach. I, mm-hmm. I think we're we're all in different stages of grief. You know, yeah. there's just, there's no quite one way to do it. You know, you have, you know, you have first year players that didn't know Sean that well. You have people who are his roommates, you have, you know, all different dynamics that go into this. So 
as a head coach, you know, like I said, I, I feel like I've, I don't know if I've done a good job. I, I really don't know. I, it's, it's been so tough, but, um, you know, we just, we just try to keep, um, Sean's memory. We try to bring some awareness to the mental health piece. And, and then we also try to, to, to do our best to, to, to move forward and honor him as we, as we go. And, um, so we're working through that process right now. Uh, Sheets, uh, it's, it's been the toughest thing I've been through as a coach. And, um, you know, I hope somehow it makes me better and makes me a better father and makes me a better coach in the future. So, yeah, uh, that's where we are. Did you happen to reach out to any other coaches or any friends that have been through similar experiences and kind of get their perspective on it? You know, just, just, you know, as you can imagine the baseball community, yeah. you know, you being one of them, I mean, people reached out right away and, um, yeah, there was, there, there were some common stories and I think sometimes we live in a, in a bubble where we think this is just, you know, our problem or, mm-hmm. or my problem. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have gone through similar things and yeah, I did, I did lean on some people and I, and I, I you know, I just, you just talk and, yeah. and almost everyone says the same thing. There's just no right way. You know, you wish yeah. there was something, you know, to say. And the thing that I found is that I think sometimes saying nothing is better and you just sit in the sitting the crap together for lack of a better term, you just yeah. sit in it, you just sit in it, you feel it, you know, you, you just acknowledge it, that it's real and, and, um, try to move forward, but it's, it's been tough for sure. Yeah. We were talking before we got recording about, uh, and I think another, I don't want to say darker end of this, but definitely the climate of coaching and, and certainly where we are as a society. And, we're in the age of cell phones. You and I were laughing before. It's laughable now. It wasn't 10 years ago, man, that, I mean, if cell phones were more prevalent and the access to, can you imagine if, if some of our post game talks were recorded? I mean, you just, you think about the climate that we're in now where everyone's on stage almost at any point and any fan can record anything that's going on in front of you, any player. Um, the climate of coaching is real and it's one that, and you would, you remarked to me that, a lot of coaches may be in a stressful environment now or find themselves a little uncomfortable speaking with their players and maybe coaching relative to who they are or relative to their personality. Can you just open up some of the challenges, at least maybe the, the conversations you're having out there in the field each day? With- yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, we've been we've been very fortunate here. I, I, I haven't had, you know, we haven't had no knock on something. We haven't we haven't had many issues um, with that. But I, but I think there's 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 something in the air right now where. Um, I, I do feel like coaches are, are held to such a high standard that it's, it's almost, it's almost an impossible high standard. Um, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're trying your best to run a a really good program and you're putting your heart and soul into it. It's the hours and the time away from family and you know, the mistakes you, you are going to make mistakes, um, cause you are human. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes those mistakes can, you know, lead to people losing their job or to being suspended or, or other things, just defending your character. It's not even, it's not even the, it's not even losing your job. It's just, you know, it's kind of an attack on your character, which can sit with you and, and make you stew. And so I, I think, you know, you have a couple choices. I mean, I think you have a choice of just trying to play it safe and small and, and being aware mm-hmm. of all those voices that are out there. And, you know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm never going to yell at a player. I'm never going to talk to or you can say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I think is right in my heart. I'm going to lead from a authentic place and, you know, whatever happens is going to happen then. Um, mm-hmm. because I think we all know that there are situations that you really can't control. You yeah. know, if, if, if a narrative goes in a certain direction, then you're in trouble. But if that goes, if it has to happen for me, it's going to go because I'm doing what I think is right, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, um, but it's, I think it's, I hope the coaches are listening 
or, or you know, or maybe there's someone nodding their head right now because it's, you know, you, you, you're hearing it quite a bit, you know, yeah. just of just people just don't know quite how to act. And that Tom Izzo thing really jumped recently, right? Like, just, yeah. you know, Tom Izzo, you know, yelling at the player and, and what do you feel about that and how you feel? And, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just an interesting conversation. I think, and, and just, I want to just wrap it up with this. I think that there was a point, right? The, the pendulum has swung. There was a point where Mike Rice and, and, you know, some of the stuff Bobby Knight did and sure. it, it was, it was over the top and, and coaches deserved being checked. And that, and and a check is definitely necessary. We're we're guilty of some things, but I think the pendulum has swung too far now, where we're taking away some of the tools that that can really help someone's growth. Every now and then, yeah. I mean, I think we can all think back on a moment in our life where someone didn't use, um, "Hey, Mike, come over here. I think this could help you." They said, "Hey, get over here, get this done." Sure. And that and that changed you, right? Like, yeah. And so, and you never want to lose that tool because that tool can wake you up. And make you a better person. So, um, it, it's an interesting climate, and and I think um, you know something that that has to be talked about for sure in our profession. That's it. And, and anybody that's on social media, go back to I think Scott Van Pelt and his response to it. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, us wanting to make assumptions for other people and and give our judgment on a situation we have no idea. And I love the fact Izzo says what he says, the player says what he says, and everybody's good with it. Hey, I know what I signed up for. It's who I got. And, yeah. and, and Tom Izzo, for however many years he's been doing it, dude, has stayed the same person the entire time. He has, he has, he absolutely has. And, and you, uh, you know, some families argue, right? Some families argue, and That's they right. love it. It's, it, and and some and some don't, you know. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's what goes on there. And, and there's nobody that can watch Michigan State basketball and go. That those guys don't have a pretty big love for each other. Yeah, you know, that's it. Pass that's a program, right? That's not a team. That's a program. No sure. doubt. Okay. So talking about being a great husband, being a great father, and give this phrase out to Andrew Bartman, talk about covering home. And him and I talked about that a lot. And he's dealt with some issues with uh, his youngest daughter, some health concerns. At the time, being being a dad and, and also a baseball coach and looking at things a little bit differently. So we talked about that a lot, covering home and making sure that, especially during the course of a season when we're gone, hours upon hours we're putting in 12 to 14 to 16 hour days and you know we're, we're hardly ever tucking our kids in at night and we're not seeing our wives very often she becomes the the uh the caretaker of the home most more often than not during the baseball season but how have you been able to balance that out you seem like a guy that's really got things in check and things in perspective can you give some advice in that area for guys yeah, I, I think I'd like my wife to to hear that because she she may disagree that I have things in in in, in check and perspective. But I, I hope she's listening. Give but her no, the timestamp. Send yeah, it to her. Let her know. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, you know the the thing that we've been able to do is is you know I, I don't I don't think a work life balance really exists in this profession. I think hmm. there's just no way. There's uh, you know you you know you can I can say whatever I want, but my time shows that right now. Um, our baseball program is ahead of my family and that's terrible to say, but like, if you look just strictly at the time, um, the time involved, it's, it's, I'm missing my son's games right now, but there is this integration that you can do. And by integrating, what I mean is that we have our, my family is very involved in our baseball program. Yes. Um, it's across the board. You know, we, we, they try to come to games and that's, and that's been tougher now that my son's getting more involved in things. He's nine and my, my daughter's seven, they're starting to get into more activities. So there's times they can't make things, but they are very, very aware of what's going on in our program. And then I'm very aware of what they're going on, what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so even though we can't always be there, I think I missed my son's last four basketball games, which just kills me because he was, that's, that's a lot of fun for me. But you know, when 
I, I get a recap and I get and I don't get the two cent recap. I mean, we go through it and sure. we have a good time with it and we try to find ways that are a little unconventional to connect. And I think it's like anything else like this season right now, it's this is heavy baseball time. Mm-hmm. But then there will be a moment when we can shift and we can swing and we can move in to, you know, to to a different phase where the family then takes a major priority. But mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely a balance. It's it helps to have a rock star for a wife. It, it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, or a spouse for, for whatever coaching profession you're in. But um, it, it's a balance. And I think it's really, really important that uh, you, you make your mistakes at work and not at home. That's Someone yeah. gave me that advice one time, and I think that's really important. It's really good. Jared, that Lori, you're a rock star. We're going to make sure we time stamp that one, too. Uh, that one gets to go out. Writing seems to be really strong suit for you. You mentioned the process to getting to that point in, in speaking and writing. Um, the blog is fantastic, man. I love when a new article comes out and I get a chance to uh, almost get between your ears for a little bit. And then more than that, take the lesson that you're willing to offer back to the coaching community, man. Done a fantastic job with that. And spoiler alert here, uh, you've really opened this up I mean, you're, you're working on a new book project. So I think go into the process of, of growth that you've been able to find behind the pen, but then also again, talk about the new book that's coming out. Yeah. I, so I, I think, you know, I started writing for, for, for about probably three reasons. I think the first was for therapy. Um, just, you know, I had a lot of stuff in my mind and, um, just to get that out of my mind and get it on paper gives me uh, a little bit of peace, you mm-hmm. know? So I think, I think that's where it started was, was a therapy, the therapy piece. And then it moved into to trying to create clarity. Uh, so, you know, I think we have, a lot of times we have these theories and, you know, whatever it may be. But I, I always say, you know, you don't know your offensive philosophy if you can't write it down and articulate yeah, it. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you, you don't know your culture unless you can write it down and articulate it. So I started doing it just to get my thoughts in order and get clear on what I believed. And then it moved into I started sharing it in a small circle and people said, hey, this can really help help others. So that's why I started sharing it as I thought maybe there are other coaches or other people or business leaders or whoever that may be going through, through similar situations. And, and I think, you know, if, if, if you've, if you've read and you have, and, and others have, um, it, it comes from a very vulnerable place. I, it's not a how to thing. I very rarely do I say, this is how you do yeah, things. Right. It's more, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm working on. I was, I almost yelled at a youth umpire the other day. What's wrong with me? Like, you know, it's more stuff like that, you know, sure. things that we go through in life, you know, and, and, um, so that it's been, it's been very enjoyable and, and it, it has, we're going to turn it into a book format here. Um, it, the, the transcript is done. It's just now find the time to put it all together. But, um, it, it's been, it's been hit and send has been one of the best things. I, I, would, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now, probably if I didn't hit send all those years ago. So, um, it's, it's been enjoyable for me to, to, to work through that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. A lot of good meat right there inside that first half. Now the back half, obviously, as we talk through these dugout chatter episodes, there's some key questions we want to get out of the person that we're spotlighting. So we start here is what's something that you've read or watched or heard recently that to your core, Mike, like really challenged you could have been in a situation in a game could have been an article that just went, you know what, I could do that a little bit differently and probably be better because of it. What would you offer? Well, I, I think two things jumped to my mind. One, one isn't as recent. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, this is something I'm working on too. In, in season, I have a tough time. I don't, I don't consume as much as I should in season. I, yeah. You're, you're not, you're not, I'm not involved as much. I think two things, I think your podcast, um, with Tucker and, and Kai mm-hmm. made me re reimagine how we run wanted to run a, a defensive practice. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, just, it, it made me just think conceptually a little bit differently. And I'm not, you know, we, it wasn't something where we, we changed the whole identity of our program, but it made me just think, 
Um, and, and so anyone who hasn't heard that podcast, I think yeah. that's, that's tremendous. And then most recently, I, I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast, and there was a, a guest on there by the name of Stephen Rolnick, I believe his name was. Hmm. And um, he talked on there about the difference between praise and affirmation. And they, mm. you know, basically that in with, with, with kids, with, with coaching, we do a lot of praising. Yeah. Good job. You know, I really like what you did there, but we should be shooting more for affirmation and, and getting them to own their experience. So instead of saying, Hey, good, good job there. You say, Hey, that at bat, you, you look more comfortable. Did, did I see that right? And, and then get them to explain. So I think just, uh, wow. I, I'm really, I'm really into language like that. I know that's, you know, you can maybe that say it's semantics or whatever, but I'm really inter- interested in, and in that development, because I think you know, you know, we you don't want we don't want our players or we don't want our kids uh, relying on us for their confidence. It has to come from them. And so, how can we use our language a little bit better? So, uh, that was something that I just picked up recently that I don't have a good grasp on yet. Yeah. But I'm I'm really interested in moving forward on on just some of those, um, just how to use language better. That's a terrific share right there. How are you personally? How are you engineered as a learner? Are you, when it is time, and obviously we're out of season, are you a reader? Are you a podcaster? Are you a pick up the phone and have conversations? Where do you really find the most fulfillment out of the learning process? I would say all of the above. Okay. I, I, it started for me as it started for me as a reader. I, I'm, I guess by nature, I'm a little bit more of an introverted person. Mm-hmm. So I, I would read on, on bus rides. I would, especially as an assistant, I would read, 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 read. And um, then I think now, as as our family has grown, it has shifted more toward the podcast type mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, you know, I can I can cut the grass and listen. I can, you know, you're kind of you're able to multitask a little bit better with the podcast. And I think deep conversations, I think deep conversations uh, with people with similar thought processes, not necessarily the same beliefs, but just the way they, they go about thinking. Yeah. I think those are really powerful ways. I, I uh, you know, I, I really feel like the, the first 40 years of my life or close to 40 years of my life were spent listening and observing. And now I'm trying to share more and I'm learning that way. But I, I was a really, and, and still am, I, you know, I, I'm not one to talk in circles. I, I, I like to sit and listen. Mm. And I think that's how I've kind of, you know, grown and and with my knowledge base. Okay. So go into the best people you've been around in baseball. And I think that's the, the qualities that jump off. So that these are coaches, this is, this is players, these are teammates and what qualities jump off the best people you've been around. When I hear that question, I think when you see really good baseball people, it's, I guess it's not any different than any other phase or any other thing in life. Mm-hmm. I think they're on their path. I think they're, hmm. it's what they're meant to do. So that, that passion, that excitement for what they do, it just makes everyone better around them. Like you, you know, you can really see that you can really, I, and the older I get, I can see it. I can see even with younger coaches who I, I and this sounds arrogant, it's not meant to be, but I can see who's meant to do this. You know, who, who has mm. that drive. And that brings out their best characteristics, sure. if that makes sense. You know, like just because, and that doesn't mean there's, they have, they have flaws, right? There's, but, but you can really, that, that's what I appreciate most, whether that's a player, coach or whatever. Um, but then the other thing I, I've noticed in our community, in baseball com- community specifically, is that I, I would say they're, they're go-to guys, meaning, um, you know, sometimes they're a little rough around the edges or they're, um, you know, you, you compete and they don't talk, you know, you, whatever. But when, when the proverbial hits the fan, when, when, when your back's against the wall, those people are in your corner. And, and I'll, I'll give, you know, Coach Brew, Brian Brew, a shout out at Marietta. I was 2008, yeah. um, and, 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 you know, I was the assistant, and, and Coach will work you hard. I mean, he'll work you really hard, and, and it's not always easy. 
But my dad passed away in 2008 in the middle of the season. And um, so I went home for the funeral and, you know, took the two, three days, whatever it was. And uh, I was going to come back and meet the team. And I called Brew on that third day and I said, Brew, I said, I, I don't know what's going on, man. I said, I, 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 I'm, I, I can't do it. I can't leave my mom. I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling right now. And he's like, Mike, he's like, I, I don't care if you come back. I don't care when you come back. Come back in the summer. You take as much time as you need. We're going to be fine. And then I, I was back, you know, I said, hey, I, I just don't want to be a distraction. He's like, you'll never be a distraction. You come back when you're wow. ready. And, and you go on. So anyways, that's my example of like that. And ba- the baseball community is full of those people, right? Sure. That, 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 you know, you, you compete against them. You, you may fight, you may, you may argue, but when you need it, when you need it, like those are the guys mm. that, that, uh, that'll, that'll stand up and, and, and be in your corner. So I think that's, there's probably not a greater compliment I can give somebody than that. That's fantastic. You know, I had a great conversation. Uh, I was laughing about it this morning with another guy, five hours on the phone yesterday with Jack Warren and uh breaking down everything and had a great conversation with them and we went through a couple of questions similar to that one mike and and the one couple things that jumped off to me i think the best people that least that i'm look to be gravitating more towards are those that are in that in that lifelong learning group and they Mm -hmm. subscribe to it and they openly subscribe to it they're they're not uh you know scared by that terminology or or the process of of that but also uh, they're willing to share and they're willing to be open to these conversations and actually looking for opportunities to share. So it's almost like, you know, Hey sheets, have you ever run across a young coach looking for information on this man? Feel free to throw me out there. I'd love to love to help. Or you can just see through their social presence or through some of the actions that they're doing. They're just out there willing to give uh, again, those, those hit home with you as well. For sure. They're willing to share the one. Like I, th- I think you hit it first. They're, they're, they're continually growing, yeah. right? They're learning. They're, their, their, their craft's important to them. And then they also care about the, their legacy and, yes, and making the, the people good. better, yeah, the yeah. better people behind them. And, and that doesn't always, and, and I guess I just want from, for my, this is my opinion. Those, they may not always come off warm and fuzzy either. It's not just warm. Yeah. It's not just, you know, you, you know, you, you ask if, if you're going to talk to some of these people, um, you know, whether it's a Clint Hurdle or Tim Corbin or whoever, yeah. like they're, they're going to give you, but you better be prepared. Like you, their time's important too, yes. I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. So, you know, you can't just say, Hey, like help me out, get a job. Like it's, it's gotta be deeper. You know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> sure. but, but if you want to get deep with those people, um, those people will be really willing to, to step up and help you. A couple quick hitters here and we'll see what you would fill in the blank and give a little explanation behind is one thing you need to work on is what? There's a lot of things, yeah. but I, I, would, I would say, um, I would say I'll combine these two, um, presence and confidence, mm. um, presence, meaning, you know, I, I, I talk about it. I talk about being where your feet are and, and that type of thing, but I don't do a great job with it. Yeah. Um, especially right now, uh, there's as you know, coaching, I feel like is looking forward all the time. I'm, I'm looking at the weather, uh, because we have to put the tarp on the field and you're always out there because mm-hmm. you have to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then being able to be home and not looking at my weather apps and checking this or that and just, and just staying present. And then I think off that, I would say is the confidence piece, because I would say like this coaching is not easy for me. Sheets. It's not like sure. I, there are some natural, there are some, I have some great friends who you get them 10 minutes before practice and you say, Hey, here's what, here's what we got. They can, they can lay it out and run an unbelievable. I'm not that guy. It takes me hours of preparation to be able to, to execute a, a good practice. And so sometimes I use that as a crutch 
to the, and m- meaning I'll come in five hours before practice to get ready. And I don't know if I need to do that. Yeah. I think that's my lack of confidence. And that takes away time from my family that takes away time from, you know, friends or whatever it may be. And I think if I can get better with my presence and get better with the confidence, I think everyone around me will be better too. And I think that, that, that over preparation, while it has served me well, I think it's also a lack of confidence and it's something I need to, to, to do better at. Ooh. So off the script, what if you shirred up your process, your, your process to getting to that final practice plan? What if you're, if you tweaked that, wouldn't that give you the confidence that, man, I've, I've got a great plan in place on how I'm going to get these things done. This is the schedule that I follow. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think my process is, is a little bit different than like, I, I'm not, if you look at my desk right now, I got stuff everywhere. Um, you know, I, I, and people will say, well, they say a, a cluttered desk equals a cluttered mind. Well, I say an empty desk equals an empty mind. So that's my retaliation. But, um, my process, I, 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 I can be better. You know, I can be more detailed. I could, I, I, and I'm going to give you, give you a big excuse. I think mm-hmm. with, with the kids coming up, you know, we have four and they'll, they'll throw things off. Like right now my wife is sick and their kids are on spring break. And so you get rattled a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, but I still can be better within my processes, no doubt. And I think you just called me out and I gotta, I gotta work <laughs> on it. So I appreciate it. Hey, as, I, as, I, as I'm talking and giving you 6,000 excuses, I'm, the answer is I gotta just be better. My Dude, brothers from another mother, man. And That's by it. the way, my desk has nothing on it. So I, I, hopefully I'm going to beat that stereotype. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, I, that's just my defense. Mechanism. I love it. I love it. Okay. Another one for you. Uh, the key to success is teams. Mm. Teams. Um, I, I think my, I haven't done, I, there's not much that I'm great at, but I think the only thing I've ever, ever been able to do is surround myself with really good teams. And I think mm-hmm. that's life. Like whether that's the, your, your family team, yeah. you know, you're yeah, there. I think when you're on, when you're a, a coach, I think it's having the teams, you think you can do it all on your, by yourself, but then you realize that you need people in admissions and, and advancement. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you form teams there and then you build your teams. But I think, uh, you know, we, the teams will help you overcome your weak spots and we all have those. And I think the better teams you can form um, are going to lead to success. And and it's also that tribe mentality, that connection of being part of something bigger than yourself. And yeah. and so while while you're on a team, people are filling in your holes. You're also filling in the holes for others. And and I, I think that's when it's, it gets special. So I would say developing teams in every extension of your life is what leads to success. I love it. In the end, when our careers are over, it's all about. Man, I appreciate you getting me to think about this, especially yeah. mid-season. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, because you get you get your head down here pretty good. Um, I, when, when this is all said and done, I, I hope to have left this a little bit better than I found it. Okay. Everything, like yeah. life, I, uh, and I say a little bit because I don't, I don't have Superman complex. I don't think that you know that that it's my job to impact every single player at the highest level. I, I don't. I, but I think by modeling. Um, a happy, well-lived life. I hope that can, um, I, th- I hope I can help others live life a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, you know, that my, my family structure is, is sound. And I think what we do at work, I think we, we approach life pretty soundly for some sheets. And, yeah. and yeah. some people look, some people look at my life and go, you have two used minivans. You have four kids running around. I don't want anything to do with that. You're, you're obsessed with your profession. 
that's too much. And that's good too. That, that, that means someone can look at me and do the complete opposite mm-hmm. and, and, ha- and have a lot of fun. But I think just by living authentically, um, hopefully the, 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 the people that, that come in contact um, with me can hopefully uh, have, do life a little bit better um, because of that. Well, to your point, when you started that, I think I tagged you in that tweet of just the, the mid-season yes. inventory. Like that, it just kept, it kept smacking me in the face every day at the gym in the morning. I'm, I'm there and I'm thinking about, man, where would, where would I have been as a coach right now? Where, where would my feelings have been? My thoughts relative to wins and losses for sure. But just remembering the fact that it seemed like April, just, you know, mid-March to mid-April, just fly by and you just blink and you're, you're at the end of the season and it's conference tournament time. And that's when at the end of the year, it's too late at, at most opportunities to go back and fix the standards yeah. that got off track or the stressors that you you really had going that you just easily could have fixed, whether they're at home or with the program or with an administrator, whatever it might be. And then more than that, the players that we just let slip through the cracks and they're the ones that, as you've you know probably seen, hopefully you don't see too often anymore, is that those are the ones that usually at the end of your year, man, they're ready to, to get out and go find a new place to go. So it's... It, that that's what you you hope to kind of have is those 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 recheck moments those as many I, I love it uh been fortunate to have a really good close knit group of guys around just like you do that man you can ask those poignant questions and go hey man what are my blind spots what am I missing here or mm-hmm. where where can I be better or what what's something I need to be thinking about like you said what's the one thing I can do right now that can that has to show up in my program I think to be able to check yourself at those key points in your life I think are everything sure sure and it's and it's really really tough it's really tough because sure it's, 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 fr- it's frantic time but you do have to stop and pause yeah. right and 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 just enjoy it i mean there's there's a lot of coaches right now that are counting down the the, the days right yes they're, you know and that's and that's scary too yeah. you know it's you put all this time in you know you do all this stuff on the road you hear about all our, our complaints but then you also wish the season away because it's like man this is a lot mm. you're playing weatherman playing field guy playing you know, um, you know, trying to keep players happy and, and it can be heavy. Um, but I think just a good reflection, a good check. And I think the question there of, of when this is all said and done, what's important it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, 2019 season will come and go right? yes. Yes. <laughs> regardless, you know, it'll, it'll come and go. And, uh, you know, like I said, whether you win a national championship or not, they come and go, but when this thing's all said and done, what are you about? It's that's a really it. good question. Yeah. And that's it. Love it. Okay. Go into Mount Rushmore. Love this question, man. It's a great way to give some shout outs to three or four people that have really meant the most to you or more than that have impacted you the most that are inside the game. What would you offer? You know, inside the game, I mean, you know, it starts with, you know, coach Shally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think just, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, you, uh, I had no idea. I I was, I was, I had some small division one stuff going on. Um, I, I was a better high school basketball player than I was a baseball player. And, um, and I just, I had Marietta was, I visited there like when in, in January and then forgot about it and everything fell through. I had, a, I, I mm. thought I was going to, uh, there was two division, two, two division one schools that I thought that, that I was going to land at. And I didn't. And like in July or maybe even August is when I decided to go to Marietta. And it's funny how the world works because, um, at that time I was crushed, but one of those division one programs ended up going division two, like, yeah. like two years later. And one of them became, there's no, they, they no longer have a program. And, and I just magically yeah. stumbled upon, uh, what I would consider is like an Ivy league education of baseball, sure. like, you know, yes. and meeting coach. And, and so I would say coach has to be right up there. Obviously brew, 
uh, give me a crack and, 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 and giving me a shot when I didn't deserve a shot. Um, and, and, you know, mentoring me for, for nine plus years. Um, you know, I think a common name that you always hear about is, Co- is coach Forbin. Mm-hmm. The, the third one, I, I, he, he changed the way I looked at baseball. We, um, we went, I went down there in 2006 or seven and watched the practice. And this was coming off a national championship year too, by the way. And, and, and I, when I watched them practice, I went, Oh my gosh, like this, this is how I would want to run a program. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that had built into a, you know, he, you know, 10 year relationship plus relationship where, um, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he's, he mentors so many people. I'm not claiming to be a best friend, but he impacted me in a, in a heavy way. And then, then lastly, I would say now you get Mount Rushmore, I guess you get four is, uh, I would say now, you know, uh, Clint Hurdle uh, of the yeah. Pirates, um, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he, you know, he gave me the courage with his, his, his sharing of, of, of writings, uh, to, to go ahead and hit send on mine. Cause mm-hmm. you know, as a baseball coach, you're not supposed to write and, and share and talk about happiness and, sure. and things like that. And, and just reading his stuff gave me the courage to hit send. And then that has evolved into, you know, uh, you know, once again, a, a, a distant friendship or, yeah. or, or mentorship or however you want to describe it. Um, once again, I'm not claiming to be best friends with any of these people. I'm just saying they're they're they've been good and, and big in my development. So, Coach Sally Brew, uh, Coach Corbin for for opening my eyes to a different way to run a program, and then Clint Hurdle just for how how to be a good human. It's amazing that you and I have probably known about each other for a lot of years, but really in the last couple, how we've gotten more intertwined. Yes, with our inner circles, in in, in a weird way too, right? You yeah, expect it. It's not. Just very organic. It's so just awesome. Similar people cross paths with each other. That's sure. it. Well, hopefully good people gravitate toward each other. That's at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, all right. Take us into this, man. Deegs, you, you have absolutely crushed this. This is going to be one of my favorite interviews just to, of how transparent and the humility that's coming through. But go through best advice. Best advice you've been given. I think any other advice you have on the table, just let it out. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give Brew one more shout out because I, I was, um, when I was interviewing for the job, I had a, at Marietta, I had a lot of um, apprehension because um, uh, the, the assistant coaches I played for were, were really aggressive and and um, just just a different personality than me. Mm-hmm. And I I shared that with Brew, and he said, "Mike, I don't want you to be anything but yourself. You don't be anything but yourself, and you're going to be fine. And this program's going to be fine. And if I and I, I'll take that twofold." Um, because I think that would be my advice to anyone, yeah. whether, whether you're listening to this podcast and hearing us talk or listen to coach Corbin or listen to any of these people, you can learn a lot from everyone, but you have to find out who you are at your core. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I shared earlier with me, like I'm a driver, but I'm also, I also want to be, and that's who I am. And then once you can embrace that, then you can just be you. And, and look, I, I am flawed as all get out. I, I took like I used to take offense. Someone had told one of my assistant coaches one time that, hey, you know your your boss is out there trying to tell everybody how to live with through their through their you know writings. I'm like, anyone who knows me, that's the furthest yeah. thing from the truth. That's you know, right. like I I write because I have no idea what I'm doing, that's and it. and so anyways, but 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 this has given me the courage. Like I'm this is me. Like I don't hmm. I, me on this conversation is is me at home, and 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 you know it's it's how i try to interact with our players i'm just a flawed person that's trying to be better yep. and people always say you got to get rid of that word of that word try and i i, I disagree i think that's what i'm just trying and and some days i, I succeed some days i don't but um but yeah you find out who you are and then just let it rip man just let it go mm-hmm. from there and 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 watch yourself take off watch you you'll start as you were just saying a minute ago people will start gravitating coming into your life 
who who are meant to be. And yeah. then there'll be people that, that get out of your life and and that, that may think that, that's meant to be. Yeah. And that's okay too, right? There's nothing wrong with them either. But you know, I, I that's what I would say is just just be you and, and, and go get it. You are a stud again, just like I'll finish it how we started, man. A special human, a special dude inside of our association. Mike, I really appreciate you being part of what we do and certainly carving out some time for us again mid season. But man, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing openly, honestly, having the courage, the confidence to lay it out the way that you did. And, and, and certainly as if I'm a listener, I'm really gravitating towards your spirit. So again, best of luck to you and the big red man. Keep it rolling downhill. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in Cedar Rapids. And best of luck the rest of the year, my friend. Thank you so much. Really big on. It really truly is a big honor to be on here. So I, I really thank you for your time. Coaches, thanks again for checking out our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and another one of our Dugout Chatter episodes. Here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So please let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about our baseball coaching fraternity, you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. If you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or shoot me an email at Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. We would love to hear from our loyal members. We'd even love to hear from some new ones as we continue to find new ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of these Dugout Chatter episodes, our longtime partners over at Rawlings. So if you want more information about what they're doing for baseball and this association, head over to their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again for your support of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you to keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.